Welcome to episode one of Once Upon a Film Industry, where we do a deep dive into the life stories of film industry professionals. I'm Steve Lloyd Bennett. Hey, I'm Al Lopez. Today we have for you Atoje Abbott. Atoje's film has been acquired by Netflix and is out right now. So without further ado, Atoje Abbott. And we are here with Atoje Abbott. Yes. Am I saying that correctly? You're saying it perfectly. Toje Abbott is a an accomplished filmmaker. Toje, he um, just finished a film and distributed a film, and it's called what, Toje? A New York Christmas Wedding. Dope. Yeah. We'll get into the film, and we're going to get into how you made it and, and all those things. But first, let's get to know Toje a little bit. Where are you from? What's your background? And uh, how does your background influence your filmmaking? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, I'm born and raised in New York, New York City, um, uh, son of immigrant parents from Nigeria. Um, basically, my parents came here to America, immigrated for a better lifestyle. My dad had a scholarship to NYU as a student for college. And from there, without education, my life would still be there in um, Nigeria. So he came out here. My mother had my sister and I and <clears throat> moved to from Brooklyn to Queens, played basketball in high school and at St. John's University, Division One major school. And after that, I always had a passion for the arts, but also knew that when I graduated in 2003, the economy was going down. So, I mean, 2008, I'm sorry, from St. John's. 2008, when I graduated, the economy was going down and I basically had the opportunity to either try to find a job doing who knows what or really pursue my main my main uh, career goal, which was to be an actor. And from there, I had advice from a friend that said, you have 40 years of your life to work, do what you want to do right now, and that was acting. And from there, I started to act and start incremental progress ever since. Did some commercials, did some feature film spots, some TV spots, and I had the wonderful opportunity to play Marsha P. Johnson, a true pioneer in the LGBTQ movement. And under Roland Emmerich, a master of disaster, a Hollywood director. And I learned a lot from working with him and other people. And then I decided back in 2017 to write my own script to kind of highlight what I could do as a director or a writer. People won't give you money for your first feature film, so you have to do a short film. And my short film, Jitters, that I wrote, directed, and produced, went to a lot of festivals. We won some festivals. And here we are now. I actually met your Stephen with your with your film at Phoenix, which I thought was my that was my first film festival actually, and I and I was amazed by by, by the experience that people can go to a festival and just watch movies all day and talk about it, and no one wants to change the subject. So I kind of really enjoyed that. Nice. <laughs> that that nice. was really awesome. That was uh what two three years ago? Two thousand eighteen. Yeah. So, so two thousand eighteen. Yeah. The yeah. Phoenix Film Festival. We were out yeah. there in the all black section, which I which they did they did a really good job of curating too. It was really really good. That was they were like just reaching out and trying yeah. to get a, a black audience, so they had just like a black short film block and yeah we were just and then afterwards we we're all just hanging out together all the black all the black. <laughs> just in the corner just hanging out there's like six of us <laughs> we literally i think it was uh at the screening yep next time i was sitting, I was sitting there yeah yep. and they just sat right next to me and i was like oh another black guy yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny about it too because in your film you had chris chalk who i interned at lava theater company and chris chalk that's why i got to meet him back in 2000 uh 2010 now, I was just amazed that, you know, having, you know, yourself out there in Los Angeles, film, having a short film in Los Angeles, and you have a New York City actor out there. Yeah. It was just kind of cool to see that people say it's a small world and smaller business, 
it was kind of cool to see that, you know, people that I know and, you know, our black community are able to kind of, we all know each other, basically. And that's really good to kind of be aware of that, especially with my, with my first film festival. Absolutely. I think the, the, uh, the industry is smaller than we think, especially the black community. It's Correct. like, Correct. we all kind of just know each other either through six degrees of separation or something like that. <laughs> um, so what, what is the one thing that if it had not happened, you would not be where you are today? Um, hmm, that's a very good question. I think the one thing that have not happened if I wasn't born, but that's just being silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think if I never had the opportunity to work on Broadway, I didn't mention that, but in um, 2011, I assisted director of a Broadway play called That Championship Season. It was a play about basketball players who are reuniting 20 years later after high school championship, and they're talking about where their life has gone. And um, it's a play written by a white male with an all-white cast. And, you know, having someone like myself as a black actor wanted to be a part of it, there's no way I can do that at the Broadway level. But our director, Gregory Mosier, who was a stunning and brilliant man, he brought me on to work with him. And basically, being a former Division one basketball player, I was the one to kind of encourage or give the real realistic type of background to what it is to be a basketball player at a high level. So the cast involved Brian Cox, Jim Gaffigan, Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Patrick, wow. and Chris Note. And all those guys looked at me like their little brother. And it was a real team environment that nice. I didn't experience since I left basketball in college. And I never thought I'd experience in the acting world because in acting, you're by yourself trying to get one job to the other. But being a part of that at the Broadway level really gave me the confidence that the fears that I have are fears that every other actor at any level has too because we all want to do well and perform. That's fantastic. Uh, Especially yeah. that they took you under your wing and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. What position yeah, do you I, play? Uh, I, I play the wing forward. <laughs> nice. Wing forward. Yeah. Nice. I was, I'm six. I'm six four and a half. So I'm like the tallest of the guards and the smallest of the big men. So I mean, I got into acting. I had to always say that as an actor, I'm six, six, three and a half. As, no, as an actor, I'm six, four. As in modeling, model, I'm six, three and a half. And as a basketball player, I'm six, six. Because, you know, on paper, the, all the heights ranges at different type of levels and people get intimidated by things on paper rather than the reality of something just being tall. Right, right. What, what, uh, what high school did you go to? I went to Archbishop Malloy High School, Catholic School ah, in New York City. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went... I went to uh, Christ the King, so we oh, were, there we, we go. Were, You're a royal. We were, yeah, we were rivals. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Omar Cook, when I was in high school, he had like a 50 point game at Malloy. I mean, you had some really good, great. Lamar Odom, Lamar Odom, Lamar yeah. Odom. Um, Speedy Claxton. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Basketball, New York City basketball legends, right there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. The sports in New York City, these Catholic school programs, they were legendary. So you mm -hmm. know, you get into one of those, and then from there, people could really solidify who you are, your talent based on the school you went to. And that was my first time really realizing because I went to public school growing up that going to a good high school could determine your future. And that was my mindset with almost everything I did in my career. You know, you have one thing that kind of puts you in a position for the next one. So so how has your acting experience influenced your directing? Because I started as an actor as well, and I, I could tell it's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, for me, my, my experience as an actor really really got me to understand what directors are looking for. And I got to understand how to talk to directors as well, how to talk to actors, because I know how important it is for an actor to kind of get a backstory, to get an intention, what are they doing, what they need to, what they need to prepare for a scene. But as a director, and I think more than anything, me being an athlete helps my directing because 
I know how I'm only as good as my team, you know? So either my DP has to be on top of it, my, my gaff has to be on top of it, my editor. I know everyone has to be on the same page with one clear goal as a coach. So I think that for me helped my director more than anything, but as an actor, I just guess I understand actors. I get it. I'm not intimidated by an actor wanting to be in the moment and get sidetracked and then, you know, will emote in a way where as a director who doesn't know actors are going through things, they might be taking a back ticket personally. You know, it's it's almost like when you're rehearsing scenes in theater, you're in a room for about three weeks trying to figure out what does this play mean? And I, and I miss that a lot with directing film, but I just know that the two films that I've worked on, my only two films, we took the rehearsal process really, really seriously. And that really got, gave us the ability and the freedom to perform when it comes to the day of. It's almost like now it's game time, basically. Now, now, we, now we're shooting, now the cameras are rolling, now we have more people here, do what we did in rehearsal, and now let's get going. What moment did you decide or what inspired you to jump from acting to film directing? I mean, what, what, what triggered that? Well, what, what triggered directing for me was the opportunity to really have an, really be able to tell your own story and try to find a way to get more into the industry rather than acting. Because as an actor who is six foot four, black, um, and also who might not might not be known, it's difficult. You know, I have to wait, and I, I'll get these roles for Nigerian immigrant or a security guard or. What I hated the most is basketball player. I'm fine being the best basketball player in New York City, and I'm cast as every basketball role in New York City. But after a while, I start seeing some of these films or these castings, and you'll see these actors who don't know how to dribble a basketball, and they're getting these jobs because they don't have to dribble a basketball on camera. They just have to kind of have the perfect wardrobe. And I realized then it's an, un an unfair playing field, and now here's an opportunity to start creating your own work. So I wrote a feature film while working on Broadway, and I was inspired by just being able to create creative people. At the high level, working on a play and going through a text that's the same play as written for the past 30 years and going through that text and kind of figuring out what does the punctuation mean here? What does the comma mean here? I sort of realized the, the power of writing and skill. And from there, nice. I wrote my first feature. And with my first feature, I said, hey, I wrote a feature. At this time, Lena Dunham hit and got her first series on HBO. I'm like, why, if her, why not me? And I realized because Lena Dunham comes from, you know, all respect to her, but she comes from a family that, you know, they know a lot of people and Judd Apatow, the co-sign really helps. But me being um, a New Yorker who really wants to pursue something and just being someone who's new to the business, how do I get in there in that way? So I wrote a feature film. People felt like they couldn't really fund it because we don't know what you could do as a director or even as a writer. So then I thought, let me write a short film. And I had an idea about a marriage and I wrote the short film and I thought if I could write and direct it and act in it, it's, a, it's almost like a calling card of what I could do as an artist. So I did that my first time directing film. And, you know, the film, short film, did pretty well. And I was very surprised, not how well it did, but I was very surprised how, how much at home I felt in directing. You know, my choices visually, my choices in the writing, my choices in the takes, the pacing. I was really, I was really, I was really surprised that that could translate from my mind onto the screen to have people kind of taken in that way. And then from right. there, it's kind of just been a thing where, you know, if there's any opportunity to direct more, I'll, I'll, you know, as we have to say yes, I just jump at it, basically. And that's nice. how I got to be through the feature film. Good, good. And through that journey, um, like, what, 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 what was the biggest fear that you faced? Because that's, that's a huge jump, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Mentally, yeah. you have to be strong enough to say, you know what, I'm going to go do this. This is what I want to do. And, um, you know, I don't care if I fall on my face. I'm going to get right back up. But so what, what were some of those fears? Yeah, the biggest fear for me was just to 
not even just get it right in a way of hurrah you did hooray you did it but just to make sure that's good you know like talking talking about jitters how it turned out to be something that was that was good for me but it being good for me was good for other people it's just believing that i have to i have to hold myself and my word to a certain standard and and i t- say this a lot to other people where as black artists we don't we don't have the luxury to kind of fail early on because we get these opportunities, we have to take advantage of them right away. And we have to take advantage of them and, and say that we belong in this room. So my, my biggest fear was doing something and realizing that you don't belong in this room. And now that's what I really was very fearful of having that be a thing. But luckily, with the different accolades we've had and the idea that my temperament or my tone or theme as a Black artist stands out because it's different because of my experience, my upbringing, you know, again, I had immigrant parents that played basketball. I, um, I was an actor. Now I'm into directing. I write my own story. So my personal experience is bringing that as a directing, as a director to my style is something that I think makes me stand out from the rest. And I got to say the, um, jitters. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to a lot of film festivals and that was one of the short films that I actually remember. Cause you see, I see dozens and dozens of yeah. shorts. Yeah. And most of them you forget, to yeah. be perfectly honest. But that one, I was like, oh, because you didn't see it coming until the yeah. end. I don't want to give it away. Do you have it anywhere? Is it online? Yeah. Or so right, you- right. It's on Vimeo. We have our 12-minute um, 37 version on Vimeo. And then we have the director's cut on Amazon, 13 minutes and 51 seconds. And I only say nice. that because, you know, with a short film, people give you notes. It's like, hey, you don't need this scene or take this out. And it's like, what? It's a short film. It's only 15 minutes. So like, no, you take it out and it'll be a different film. And it was. But yeah. I, I like the version of 1351, but the 12 and a half, we at first did get into some film festivals and we're thinking, why not? And they're like, cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. And you do that and oh, it doesn't matter, but we have two versions. Nice, nice. So you did Jitters and then two years later, you are now out with a New York Christmas wedding. Guys, get on Netflix right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And get on a New York Christmas wedding. It has the New York vibe with it, you yeah. know? It's, yeah. Uh, we, we need that. We need a film like that. We yeah, need it. Yeah, thank you. And it's funny, as, as you mentioned, that this com- this will be, you know, we, we had distribution for the past couple of months, but as you know, with film festivals, like, you can't have distribution. It's like, yeah, but now we're all online, so we had to keep it a secret. But um, in the end, it's kind of like, whatever, we're on Netflix. We're going to be on Netflix. We're gonna, it's going to happen, and film festivals don't like up. it. It's like, whatever. That is awesome. Congrats, dude. man. Thank yeah. you, man. I really appreciate Congrats. that. And, and, I, and I say that because... Everyone is kind of, everyone's excited. I'm excited too. You know, I, I know how good the film is. I think our film should belong on Netflix, but it's just surprising to to feel like an actor or any of the athletes kind of like, oh yeah, it's on Netflix, great. Now it's like, now what's the next thing? Now what's the, you know what I mean? Like, what's my next job? You know what I mean? Like, what's that, next? What's that's next? Where that's where I'm at right now. But I got to take some time and enjoy this that people are telling me. No one can explain the the back end journey to it, but yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah. of what you what what it took to get there. Yeah. And this is like this is like the dream scenario, right? Like, because a lot of filmmakers don't have that experience where they make a short mm-hmm. and then they make a feature, and yep. now it's on Netflix. Yeah, like that's yeah. uncommon. So <laughs> to have yeah. that happen is like you literally almost won the lottery. <laughs> yeah. I kind of forget about that because you know, like we said, Jitters was my first short film, and then after that, my next film was a feature, which is kind of like whoa. But you know, two films and you know, two places, and and I. With, with the feature is a testament to my producer Ian Phillips, who, after we did Jitters, he said, and no disrespect to any short filmmakers out there, but he was saying that you know you did it, you proved that you could do something and tell a story in a way where 
some people take about three chances to get there, maybe even more, but you did it. You have to graduate to feature filmmaking now. And I'm like, I mean, I just made one film. It doesn't matter. You did, you did a good film where, yeah, something could get better than Jitters, but what you have as a calling card as Jitters is a good example of what you could do as a short, now you make a feature film. And that type of push, you know, I don't, you don't, I, you have to have the right person kind of push that, push you to do that and trust them. And my producer, Ian Phillips, he was definitely someone who I knew he had the right intention and he knew that a feature film should be the next thing you do no matter what, because you could get stuck in a short circuit, the short cycle and there's nothing wrong with that, but you know how hard, how hard the work is and oh, get yeah. a feature done, you, you might as well just get up. It's, it's another level, basically. The short film industry is an industry in itself i feel <laughs> yeah, yeah and you can get stuck in that cycle it's like a carousel yeah because yeah, then you're thinking oh i'm gonna make another short i'm gonna make another short i'm gonna make another short but you have no like intention above that and you're just making shorts yeah and then yeah. what what are we doing here so then so <laughs> after a while i feel like it's important that you take the next step and yeah i'm, yeah. I'm very glad you did oh, thank so you. a new york christmas wedding it's your first feature film and it's a christmas movie yeah yeah, that's rare. Like a lot of people don't decide to make a Christmas movie yeah. with their first feature film. Usually, it's like, ah, okay, I'll make a Christmas movie. But you made a Christmas movie with your feature film, and it's a different twist on it. So, so yeah. let the people know exactly what it's about. Give a little preview. And yeah. uh, how did you come up with the concept? So, a New York Christmas wedding is basically it's a film about a woman who's engaged to be married to a very successful man in Manhattan, and uh, she has a hard time around the Christmas Christmas time because of the fact that her best friend passed around that time her mother passed around that time so did her father so christmas she equates to loss and ironically her fiance's parents were very very wealthy a black family at that they want to have a christmas wedding because it's something that people don't do enough and she's totally against it but since they're paying for it she kind of has no say so she goes for a run one night in new york city and runs into a strange type of person and the person kind of tells her how good love is around Christmas. And she has no idea what he means. And she wakes up the next day, instead of in Manhattan, she wakes up in Queens. Now in this alternate world, engaged to be married to her best friend who died, who's a girl. So now we're balancing these two worlds. So now she's a guardian angel who was a strange man in New York City. And she's basically experienced what her life would be like in Queens rather than Manhattan if she married her best friend who was a girl. So she had unrequited feelings for her best friend when she was younger. And now she's living the, her true self is someone who's married, who's engaged in marriage to a woman. And in this alternate world, they are trying to get married in a church and the church isn't allowing them because in reality, the Catholic church isn't so supportive of having marriage within the church, but they're supportive of gay people. So from there, we're exploring those themes and there's a twist ending, there's twists and turns in every part of the film, but it's basically about a woman trying to, it's torn between a love lost and new love and how does she follow her own heart? And, nice. and thank you. I mean, it was a long-winded answer, but I get, get kind of excited. But the film came about where um, um, our producing partner Corey Apton with Conglomerate Media, she saw the fi- Jitters, and I, I always go, I always refer back to Jitters because that's like the Trojan horse. So she saw Jitters, really liked it, and really liked the idea of what we did for our budget, and really liked the message of the film. She saw that and decided, can you make a film? like Jitters, but for the Christmas genre, because there aren't many films out there with the Christmas genre film with the type of tone that you portrayed. And of course it said yes, because you always say yes to everything when you first starting out. And um, she wanted four things. She wanted a New York, C- New York City. She wanted a wedding in the church. 
a same-sex couple, and Christmas. And then she gave me those four things, and I went to start writing a treatment. I literally made the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I literally, I wanted to make Jitters into a feature because, you know, here's an opportunity. People like Jitters, like I said before, make, make Jitters a feature. What makes Jitters so good is the fact that it's a finite amount of time. It can't be expanded to anything more because it wouldn't seem realistic. So the fact that it's a short, it's the perfect short story, so I used a similar themes and similar type of ideas and made that, flip the genders instead of a man, ma- male, make them into woman leads. And then from there, went off to the races and made it happen. You know, it's a very personal film to me, uh, Christmas Wedding, because it talks about the idea of being from Manhattan and feeling like you don't belong, you know, and going back to Queens and feeling at home and also feeling about the ideas of like, what, what would happen if you had a chance to do it over? And a lot of people, when I tell them about the film, they kind of, relate to that and I feel strongly that anyone who watches the film who has a beating heart would really relate to the film and have some emotion. So you acted and directed in this film. And wrote it. Um, and, and wrote and produced the film. Yeah. The process of doing that is I'm sure very difficult. I, I My very first short film I gave myself like a little part but since then I have not been acting in any of my films. Guys feel like it's just too much. Yeah. Um, What's the process? Did you have a strong assistant director, strong AD? How did you? Yeah, yeah. We, we had for I, mean, I, I guess primarily because with Jitters, I you know I I wrote, directed, that produced, and I acted in that too. But Jitters, I was the main lead. And going back to the same thing with rehearsal, you rehearse over and over and over again. So when I got to trust my DP, say I'm going to do this, just catch what I'm doing, and you know I trust you. And he said to me, and maybe it was like a, maybe it was a definitely a, a bad idea on my part he's like you know i never had a director never look into my camera and just trust me that way you know i really like that experience and i realized oh shit i should have been on it over shoulder the whole time <laughs> i should have been checking up on your ways <laughs> yeah, you know but but he really experienced that because it gave him the freedom to kind of really do what he does and not have me say do this do that and so when we did a christmas wedding um i wasn't going to act in it at first and we had a, a low budget. And I asked some people if they want to be a part of it. And, you know, you have the friends that kind of say, yeah, I'll do it, send it to my agent and all this other stuff. And I was kind of just like, you know, as an actor, I want to be in it. But I also know, to your point, a lot of people would say, we want to see you not in it because we want to see your your vision as a director rather than you. And I get that. But then after a while, the character was written basically with my type of temperament. So I thought it was cheaper and easier to kind of worry about one less person if, I, if I'm in it, you know? to kind of convince someone to be a part of my film and go through all of that. I didn't want to do that. I said, I'll just play the part and make it easy for everyone. And also because nice. I was so worked with all the actors and I just knew that it was easier for me to work with, you know, our lead, the affair, whether I'm over here running rehearsing lines with her as a director, but also I can rehearse lines with her as the actor and she kind of understands it. So it, it's all like the theater aspect of things. And for my feature film, I just wanted to also have another calling card that, I could write, I could direct, I could produce, and I could act, and it's all in here. But luckily, it's more about the female lead than myself. But, you know, definitely I'm in it. I will say this. Uh, Nia Fairweather is actually a friend of mine. I don't know if I actually Yeah, told you, you, t- you told me that, you know, her stardom. Yeah, we talked about how. Yeah. yeah. We, we met each other in a, at a, a play called Harlem Coffee Shop at the Beacon Theater in 2005. Such a long time ago. But um, how did you get involved with Nia Fairweather? Because she's honestly one of the best actresses I know. Yeah, yeah, and I and I support that, and I say that tenfold, and clearly because you know her being leading the film, you know that that's something definitely I didn't take lightly. Um, 
basically with Nia, she we 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 were in a we were in a reading together at Labyrinth Theater Company in 2010. That's where I actually met the director Gregory Bolger, who directed Broadway. We were in the same reading, and you know, it's my first time now as an actor. I'm starting to see other actors in in our type of world. And that's the first time seeing this beautiful, talented, broad, just truthful young actress. And I was just floored by her in this reading because how how good she was. And I remember she's so talking, damn good. Yeah, I remember talking to her after the reading, and I said. I said, you know, being silly, I'm not saying I'm being honest, but you know, you should be doing a lot of TV. Like, oh, why? I mean, <laughs> her face is so symmetrical, her face is so true, and her eyes are so, you know, so telling. I'm like, you should be doing a lot of TVs and movies, not realizing if that was, you know, demoralizing or not. But just, I was just being honest, I'm like, you should be on TV all the time. Like, what's going on? <laughs> right, right. And uh, she, you know, she took it kindly, and we kept, we kept in touch here and there. And Nia's really, really good at communicating. So she has like a newsletter and she'll always update people. And then I always just stay in, stay in contact to just know what's going on. So having the feature film Christmas Wedding, I had the opportunity luckily because of Corey Ackland, our producer, where now we have a low budget film. Now I'm in a position where I can build my own team. And I knew that if I re- reached out to different type of um, actors with agents and managers and different type of guardians to them, this type of experience won't be a true family experience. So, I mean, I haven't seen Nia for the t- for nine years. I just emailed her out the blue and said, hey, do you remember me? You know, we did a play together. I wrote the script. Can you read it? You know, I, I have you in mind and hopefully you would like it. And she's the only person I send the script to. She read it. She liked it. Said yes. And then we started casting from there. So, I mean, literally I worked with her once. And then from there, I just kept her in mind. And there's many people I worked with that I kind of always remember wow, I mean, if we could do something together, that'd be great. Or if I have an opportunity to kind of recommend you, that'd be great too. Yeah. But there's no better recommendation to have your own film. Yeah, same. I do exact same process yeah. where, you know, I work with you once and I'm like, I'm going to bring you into not, sometimes an audition or I just give you the script and be like, this is for you. Please do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of, you know, now I'm able to kind of send the film to people in our industry, you know, people that would never answer emails as an actor, but when you're a director, it's a different story. Um, right. So now, now um, you know, people are always like, "How did you cast this? How did you do? How how did you do this? How did you do that?" I'm like, "These are all friends. These are all talented actors that don't get a chance because, you know, you're blinded by your WMEs or your CAAs, even though I'm always yeah. talented. But there's actors out there that deserve chances, basically. And there's no better than a feature film. And to have Nia, you know, Nia's done a lot of work before, but to have her as a as a lead in a feature film with this type of genre, I mean, something that she'll hold on to forever. So I'm happy that we had the experience together. So if you can, getting into the house of the film, yeah. if you can disclose, what was the process of financing the film? Yeah, well, we, so we started off basically with the producers. They said, we would like to do this film for you know, a low budget film. And the money that they were saying was more than I thought. Well, the money they were saying, I thought, yeah, great. But then I realized when we did Jitters for 15 minutes, that was... I mean, I believe that was like 20 grand or so. So I realized... Okay, 20 grand for jitters? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Is that a lot or is that a little? That's that's a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, 20 grand from like shooting and posts and then, you know, festivals, all that stuff. I mean... Festival submission, yeah, that can add up. Yeah, it all just yeah. added up, basically. I thought at first we could shoot jitters for $5,000, you know? That's usually my... That, five to that, 10 is usually Yeah, mine. that was blown in the first day. And then my producer, Ian Phillips, is like, you know... Do not put more of your money into this film. You know, you have friends who will support you. Make sure you start a Kickstarter fund and, you know, get money that way. Don't put more money into this film. And he was right because 
you know, it's hard to kind of ask friends for money because all the time, you know, they're like, oh, another email from Steve. Here we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I've done three crowdfunding campaigns. Each time I feel back, I'm like, man, I'm harassing these people. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but what we did, what we did for that was great because we, we shot one day the church was nine pages and that was a majority of the film. And we did a trailer from that. And from there, people saw, don't even ask about money. Just show me what you did already and just help us finish it. So that was that. So then with the feature film, the producers came in and said, we have this money here, here, here it is. Can you do it? I said, yes. The intention was supposed to be really, really low. And then we wrote it. And a lot of people say it was very ambitious in my writing to write a Christmas film to be filmed in the middle of summer with snow and all that stuff. So how do you do that? But um, we had, I, I, ironically, we had, uh, luckily not ironic, we had a Chris Note come on board to play one of the roles and as a favor to myself and he liked the script and that kind of brought more people on board to realize this is a real thing rather than something that he's making he's making with his friends so he came on board and that kind of helped us with the budget a little bit more and we had more investors come on board so we had basically when chris came on board it became more of a legit film that could be seen rather than making something to say we made something so um i mean the budget's still low but the fact that a budget goes by pretty quickly because now you have more than five people working on a set you, know, you have a crew of about 35 who they all believe in your vision, but in the end, it's a job to them. They want to get paid. You know what I mean? Right. For me, for me I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll won't get paid for my first feature, but for them, they're like, no, I working 14 hours. You need to be, you need to pay me. Which they all got paid, but it's just that, that, that was their mindset going in rather than the fact of like, we're making a film for friends and family. You know, they're like, you know, we want to get paid. So that was definitely something. So it's mostly private investors through these producers. They went and found private investors and yeah, and they yeah. got it. And that, and that, and also, you know, I had to be be mindful too that how good I wanted the film to be. I had to also put some of my money into it, you know, nice. and and that's also because I believed in it. That's the one thing. I remember one time I had a filmmaker who who I knew and. He did a short and he was surprised that, you know, because, you know, doing a film festival circuit, it's like, how do you pay for this stuff? He's like, how do you pay for all this stuff? And Chris was the producer at the time with the short film Jitters. And he's like, how do you, the, the filmmaker, how do you, how did you, how do you get to all these places? Is Chris give you money? I'm like, first of all, no. And second of all, I believe in my film. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do any, everything I can to get out there. And I think for some people, if, if you can't put your own money behind it, not all of it, but if you can't put your money behind it and say this is what I believe is good and I think this will get me to the next to the next level, then what are you really doing? You know, because who's going to invest in you rather than yourself? Exactly. You got to invest in yourself. That's a good point. Yeah. You got to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like this is a business. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I think a lot of artists. Um, I think you. I'm not sure if you were thinking of this prior, but this is actually a very good business decision by you to make oh. a New York Christmas wedding and literally call it a New York Christmas wedding oh, yeah. because. You're gonna get distribution. <laughs> like everyone needs a Christmas movie. Yeah. Especially yeah. a movie with with LGBTQ plus slant. Yeah. It's yeah. like not slant, it's a very much a, a LGBTQ movie. You you're gonna get distribution in some kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean that that's what we, I was I was hoping. You know, we thought about the title a lot in the beginning because I thought, you know, I'm a part of a film collective and you know, as you know when you deal with your filmmaker friends. It's like, oh, this is this is too plain. This is what someone would like that's not from New York City. It has to be more artistic, you know. So we had these ideas yeah. of different yeah. names. But in the end, in the end, it's just it is what it is. If someone will read that on paper and say, I want to watch it, hopefully, you know, because they know exactly what they're getting rather than trying to trick them with some type of artsy name. So we're just, you know, we're doing something that I think for the masses more or less. And, you know, 
at, for a low independent film to make like a Christmas feature. Hopefully, we get some eyes on it. And like I said before, it, it's also the story as well, right? So like love, I mean, yeah. love plays a huge part during Christmas. Uh, it's it's going to touch a lot of people's hearts during during the Christmas time. Oh, thank you. And so, can can you can you walk us through the um like the journey of okay, I have the film and how do I get it seen? Yeah, once once we once we finish a film and you know and I I mean honestly we 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 finish filming August. 9th 2019 so we literally we literally oh. 15 months ago basically yeah wow. so i mean that's and, and our producer she wanted it done right away because she knows how it goes in a film world when you have no money and you wait for films to get done for three years four years it takes someone to your point to have that business mindset and not think it has to be perfect you know she's just like no i want it done mm-hmm. so you know we just got it to post right away she wanted to take it to sundance to show it to some people and she went out there and, you know, there were some cards exchanged, but nothing really happened. And then COVID happened. And, you know, we realized that, you know, we have something that we filmed something, we have the momentum and we could get this done and be ahead of the curve because we have something that in a, in a way where people would need content now, that was very, very clear. So from there, we sent it to people to look at it. You know, we had friends who were in different companies and they had their own idea about the film. They felt they would needed this, they needed that. You know, and also what's good and interesting for people to know out there is that when you make a feature film, now you have people that will clam onto you because now there's middle people that they look at feature filmmakers or feature films as, as money grabs too. Right. And not in a bad way, but they want to help you out because you don't know it's your first time. You need a sales agent. Oh, it's your first time. You need me to do this as a lawyer. You need me to do this. You need, you need me to do that. And a lot of people do that with the feature films because there's a lot of back end and it can be sold who knows where worldwide. Like a short film, hopefully you get it so many people to see, but feature films, even how bad it could possibly be, somewhere in Indonesia will buy it for about $100 and you have to divide it up, up amongst 50 people. Who knows? You know what I mean? So right, right. feature films definitely is a business. And I learned that because it's, 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 it's a business. People could definitely make money from feature films if they do it right. And from there, we went to different distribution companies. Some of them didn't really like the film as much. Some of them really liked the film a lot. And we paired up at Mar Vista Entertainment, and um, I'm very happy with Mar Vista because I've seen some of their films before in Christmas time, and I'm like, I, I like their films. And I thought, more than anything, I'll be happy if this film gets on TV because I want to be able to flip through the channel and show my mom, look, we're on TV because my mother to this day always asks me, what do you do as a living? But um, <laughs> okay, mom, look, I'm on TV, you know. But <laughs> what do you do? What do you What are you getting What are you getting paid? That's her main concern for, <laughs> as me as an actor for life. But I think definitely, you know, Marvista was very. They loved the film. Marvista felt that they loved the bond between the man and the woman. They also loved the idea of um, they also loved the idea of the messaging about love. And they also love the idea about the reality. And for some people, Christmas time isn't all happy go lucky. Some people will deal with loss. And that's very apparent in our film that if you dealt with loss, there's you can relate to this film in a way because it's not as bubbly. It's New York. It's, it's gritty. It's urban. You know, you have that type of feel. And I think in 2022, we have two female leads who are in 22 years old. They're real people who look like real people who are beautiful and stunning, but yet they're people with diverse cultures. You know, you have a priest... And also because of with Hallmark and Lifetime, the whole battle about having LGBT films, LGBTQ plus films, or, you know, as part of their canon, they weren't picking those films. So we had the perfect film for them, but our film could have been a little bit too racy for them. So there was, a, there, there had to be a perfect partner out there that's realized that 
this film checks a lot of boxes that we kind of needed it to be placed in our can in our slate. And Mar Vista got a look, got it, and then brought it to Netflix. And Netflix said, as they should, yeah, let's do business. So here we are. Nice. nice. So how did you get connected with Mar Vista? So Mar Vista, we had so our producer Corey Apton. You know, I, I, I praise her because she 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 was referred to Mar Vista through another friend and. It goes to show you, you get one referral, but you have to have the product. And this is, this is Corey's, this is Corey's, you know, she was, this is our baby that we made together in this film. And she was totally, she wanted the film to be seen. And, you know, she had high hopes, you know, she wants the film to make $50 million. You know, that, that you want someone like that on your team. It's not just like, we made a film now. Yay, cool. A pat in the back. Corey's like, no, I made a film. I want it to be seen. I want it to get out there. I want it, I want I, want, I wanted to do well and also have the mindset. I wanted to do business. So Corey went to Mar Vista through a referral. They saw the film. They got a bond together. And then that, that now, now, now this film would make their bond even better for future projects for them. Wow, I, I think great. it's like it goes to show like you, it's a business and yeah. you can't, you can't get stuck in like as an artist, you start off, especially with your first feature film, you're going to make something artsy and something yeah, like yeah. super esoteric and out there. And, and sometimes that's fine. Sometimes it yeah. works. I mean, Spike did it. I mean, yeah. so, so, but sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. So you have to have that business mindset because like you said, there's going to be people out there who are going to be trying to make money off you Yeah. because yeah. they realize, Oh, you have the product. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's important that you, you build your resources and you uh, build your connections and you build your business mindset. I think yeah. it's extremely important. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's why I thought, you know, more than anything, I thought, okay, now I could go back to, you know, your film festivals with a feature film and I could get, meet more people and network and talk to people in the feature space. But then when COVID happened and the festivals weren't, weren't, won't be a thing anymore, I was surprised how much the Black Film Festivals are really getting behind our film because, you know, my other producer, Ian, was like, you know, just be aware that, to your point, Christmas films aren't going to be in festivals because that's not what film festivals are for. You know, they right. sell them, they sell them outside of film festivals, but film festivals want things that are more gritty, want this, want that, you know, but to have your ABFF, your Urban World, and your Martha's Vineyard to really say, no, no, we love this film and the story. And we're seeing a story from a black artist about the culture that you don't normally see. So be it Christmas or whatever, we support this. And that, that made me realize there's an audience out there that I know for this film because I grew up watching Christmas films with my mother. I love them, but I never get to see a reflection of what my life is like in these films. So nice. this film, hopefully for the younger generation out there, or even people who are just older, you know, like I said, there are people that see two women getting married in a church and they must be, they might be in the seventies for Christmas. You know what I mean? That, that to have that type of emotion and feeling, there are a lot of people that would really respond to this film in that type of positive way. So ABFF, American Black Film Festival, how has that um, propelled the film? Was that one of the big catalysts? Yeah, that, that, that ABFF was our first. That's where we had a world premiere and virtually. Nice. So basically, they, they did it first. And um, that, that, that festival was great because they had the film available for free worldwide. It wasn't just in USA. So, and Nia would always say, you know, you don't understand how important it was to have my family outside the U.S. or have friends in London or have friends or have, have my cousin in Africa watch the film at the same time to have the type of opportunity. And ABF brought that type of platform for everyone. And it, it, it legitimized the film and it legitimized people to realize that, yeah, we heard he made it, but this is a real, this is real, it's really happening. You know what I mean? Right. And I think, and I think more than anything, and I, I joke around, it's like to my friends, you got to see the film for free early on. So 
<laughs> they go say, you know, when it starts getting out of the places, just realize, I told you guys, you know, people are like, yeah, watch your film, watch your film, watch your film. And then they never watch it. And then they come to you a year later. Hey, Steve, where's that link again? It's like, it's not free anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not free anymore. It's not free anymore. Well, yeah. it's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You finished a feature film. You are um, shopping it around to get it picked up, right? Yep. What was the most worrisome or discouraging part for you when you're shopping it around? What was what was going through your mind as a director, as an actor, as a producer? Well, as, as an actor, my 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 and this is the first thing that really happened for me. My I got to really do the scene and leave it alone and walk away. You know, usually as an actor, you kind of go over your mind. I do that right, do, do that wrong. But on set, I was walking around, you know, acting in scenes, then grabbing clipboards and papers for actors to sign. You know what I mean? Like I, I was doing, I was doing what I can to get the project done. But when we were done with, we were done with post and trying to get the film distributed. The main thing that was I was going in my mind is that I just hope that one, our investors get their money back because I know if that happens, then it makes the next film a little bit easier to ask for money. And I just hope that this film could be something where not even that people would see, but I hope people would respond to my first time directing. Basically, it's it's you know I I didn't I don't have these experiences to kind of like I said before I I can't I don't have the luxury to fail and just oh it's your first time you know it, it's it's okay but you know a lot of people invested in me for my first time and I it really was really started having some fears and people started saying no to the film and film festivals saying no where shit is there going to be an audience for this and mm-hmm. and luckily with patience and our producer always says good karma, you know, it, it came to the point where, you know, right now people aren't thinking about Christmas in February, but come May, they they need, they need, they need content and you have something that's already proven it's done. And also as a director, it's proving that you could do something at a low, low budget level, but still execute in a way where if you had more money, other things would have happened as well, but you did the best with what you could do. And I think more than anything, that kind of helped me get over my fear and realize you made a feature film. You know, don't don't be so not even hard on yourself. Don't real don't 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 knock the idea that you have to make a feature film. It's done and it'll find its home because on paper it looks good. What you did from what your experience with jitters, people know you could do a good thing, and in the end the script was good. So, yeah, my biggest fear was making sure people will like the film and hopefully nice. get to the right place. People get their money back. What'd you shoot on? What camera? We shot on we shot on uh we shot on the Ari Alexa. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. And you know that my my DP was saying it's that you know we need this camera because we don't have to worry about lighting. You know, yeah, you, you point that oh, camera man. and lighting is just you're you're yeah. fine. Yeah, in the, in the dark, that love that camera. <laughs> For people don't know, Ari Alexa is low key industry standard kinda, and then the red is right behind it. Yeah, it's like a one A almost. Yeah, and there's a few other cameras, but um, um, yo, you made a movie and yeah. that's awesome. It's gonna be on freaking Netflix. Yeah. So that's badass, man. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. But, but, but can I just ask you guys? I mean, I, I it's it's hard because I I I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I just I think I guess because it's independent filmmaker, you just know, you just feel that your film will be seen now. I think, or just that the industry is like, oh, it's on Netflix, so that's good. You know, it's it's just so hard to understand. You know, it's on Netflix, but now. When I email people at HBO and say, hey, my film's on Netflix, they better look at me in a different light. You know what I mean? It's like, because I'm going to reach out to people, hey, my film's on Netflix, my first film, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Oh, but I, I just yeah. Wanna, yeah, I, I just want to keep on growing, getting better, but people know that, you know, he's working with or without us and, you know, jump on jump on the train or 
wait for the next one. I don't know. It's just it's just a weird holding place, I guess. Do, do, I think I think to be honest, I think this is the next step. Like you just yeah. getting to Netflix is the next step. Like you just jumped yeah. up because, like you said, you can just email HBO and be like, "Hey, listen, my last film was on Netflix. This is my next thing." You know? Yeah. yeah. And that that goes into my next question: is what is your next intended project? Because I feel like for people out there, the most important thing in this industry is when you're done with something, someone's always going to ask what's next. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to, people are going to interview with saying that. And then people behind the scenes are going to be asking, producers are going to be asking, yeah. distributors, what's, what's next. Well, I, so, yeah. so what's, do you have anything next? Or yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I had to have something next because again, <laughs> yeah, my, have to. <laughs> my, and also my, cause my producer Ian was saying, you know, you have to know what's next because he, he knows yes. the business and knows that people ask what's next. And that's the hardest thing you want. You want to sharpen and baby this, Christmas film, but in the end, you have to get back to writing. You have to get back to this, get back to that. So I I wrote um, an anthology series based on jitters. So basically, it's a short it's a short film anthology series where you have different jitter moments in your life, and I have different jitter scripts. So I have jitters as a proof of concept, as like the marriage story. And I have other stories about how do people overcome jitters in their life, and basically the themes of it and the tones of it. So I have different short scripts put together to make one anthology series. I have that. I also have um, a spec pilot that we produced a couple of years back about, it's called Harlem Nights about basketball players who don't make it to the NBA and what happens when their whole lives have been told, don't worry about school, don't worry about jobs, you're gonna make it to the NBA and then you'll buy us a house. But when they don't make it, what are their life like now? You know. Mm-hmm. So I have that. And I also have my first feature film that I wrote during Broadway that uh, it's called uh, Uncoupling. It's about a, a younger man and an older woman and the idea that they don't grow apart, they just grow up. So it's like an uncoupling storytelling, romantic romantic type of film. I have that feature film that I wrote that I want to I wanna do badly, but people, you know, people will see what they say. Then I also, we're looking at other projects that we're just trying to create more like TV options. But the whole thing, I just feel as if the more I could say in a meeting, the more people can kind of grab and pick what they want. So... Just a lot of reading and a lot of writing, basically. But I have those projects that are ready to go right now. It's just getting the right people behind it to say, we like this, let's go. Nice, nice. Um, and, and, and ironically, and ironically, this uh, two weekends ago, I directed my first music video. Um, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah, 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 yeah. What, yeah. what, what genre? It's, uh, it's, it's basically like country rock, country rock. One, nice. of, one, of, my, one, of, my, um, one of my friends is an artist named Queen V. Veronica, Veronica Cower. She was actually in Christmas Wedding in our film. And she, she said, you know, I, I wanted to do this, this video for my song about when I have to tell you about voting and, you know, getting people out there in New York City being strong. And I'm like, I never directed a music video before. And she said, you know, I, I trust you. I trust what you can do. And, you know, we shot it in two days last week and we're going to release it later this week. And I think it's good. And again, for, to my point, my first music video, I just knew wanted to tell a certain story and kind of have it be clear to match her song. And I think we did it well enough where hopefully this could be another option of like, I could direct music videos too. So you have a short film, you have a feature film, you have a music video and just keep on trying to grow that slate because I think too, as directors, as you, as you would know, is that it's good to make feature films and things like that, but you have to make money too when you have a family. So absolutely, <laughs> so you have to start showing that you could do, <laughs> you can tell these 30 second stories because in the end, that's how people, I mean, Spike does it. So you can't right. shame it. You yeah. know, that's how people make their right. money doing commercials. So you got to start doing stuff like that as well. 
No, you know what? I, I really admire your hustle, man. You 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 oh, you're that. hustling. You you you're hustling. You're in uh, in the grind, making things happen. Uh, I love the fact that you say you said earlier. You know, I yeah. You know, I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah, I can do that. No problem. <laughs> and you know, the fact that you already have things in the inventory ready to 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 give to people when they ask you the question. You're ahead of the game. And yeah. I think, and I, you know what, I'm a big fan of basketball, so I tie a lot of it into the uh, methodology and the and the learning of basketball. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just teamwork environment. 100%. You know, getting getting your team all aligned and on the same page. I'm the point guard, and you know, this is your role. This is your role, and we're gonna set up the triangle, and you know, whatever. <laughs> At the triangle, whatever the man. case. The <laughs> it didn't work in New York. It, but, no, you know, it didn't work in New York, man. Not the triangle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it's uh, it's you know, it's I'm just commending you on that because that, that's awesome that. and and great work, man. Um, keep yeah, the hustle going, and we see the progress, and okay. uh, we're yeah. super happy for you, man. Thank you, man. That means a lot, man. You know, because like I said, you know, just keep on working, and hopefully. Someone sees it and realizes that, hey, he's working and let's, you know, we give other people opportunities. We give Lena Dunham opportunities right off the bat, you know, right off the gate. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, man. Listen, I mean, you're the next Lena Dunham at this yeah. point. Look at hey. you. Y'all on Netflix. <laughs> there, you there you go. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of off a little bit, but I want to get your opinion on this. Seeing that the era that we're in now, like last weekend I watched I, uh, I May Destroy You. Mm-hmm. I watched... Uh, Lovecraft country. And I saw um, 40 year old version. And I'm like, are we in a, do we just slip into like a black golden era of mm. film and TV? Mm. Like, are we slipping into that? I feel like we kind of are. Cause for myself as well, opportunities are starting to open up like really quickly over the past yeah. few months. Yeah. So do you think that this is something that's, that's happening right now? I, I, I do believe it's happening and I believe it's happening more because we're seeing these stories being told that are authentic to the community rather than having, you know, a black director telling, you know, a black director directing an episode of something. We're seeing these black stories like like 40 old 40 old version. If you would if you would have kind of like pitched that 10 years ago, no one, no one would say, yeah, here's money. Go do no one's it. picking it up. Yeah, no way. But I think right now people want authentic stories. And, and I, I love watching these films that or just like I'm seeing my cousins in these films. I'm seeing, you know, my friends in these films. I'm seeing, yeah. I'm seeing, you know, because because our whole lives we watch films on TV, wanting to be that white actor who has to do that cool thing. But to have like right, younger right, people right. seeing, like, wow, I I want to be able to like fight aliens and you know and come back home and have some grits. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I, I, I don't know, yeah. I don't yeah. know. What the, you know what I mean? I don't know what the story is. Yeah. I just feel like even for our film, I I I want to be able to, to kind of be someone from a Hispanic household. And know that it's okay. My parent, my father thinks it's okay that if I love my best friend who's a girl. You know what I mean? Like we have to kind of see those stuff. And I and I commend those um, decision makers are the wrong word. But I commend the people at the higher level that are realizing that okay, let these people who are coming up tell their story. Let's just support them rather than kind of trying to make it seem as if we know what people want to see because we did data fifteen years ago. Right, exactly. And that, and that, that's the hard part now. People are people are going by data, and they know who goes to the movies. They know who watches things. But in the end, give them another option. And that's why that's 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 for me where I kind of hope I could be able I could thrive in some way because my whole life, like I said, being a, a son from immigrant parents and being a basketball player that goes into acting, my whole life is the other option. Basically, you know, I'm, I'm that alter- right. I see things in a different way that's not 
it's generic, you know, I play basketball, I wear chains, you know, girls, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see things in like an emotional way. And I think for me that kind of, I have a different way of telling the story. And I think if other, other producers out there who are able to kind of tap into talent and emerge that out of people, whoever they may be in their own unique voice, to your point about having your first feature, what did your first feature say about you? Could you introduce yourself to the industry? And my first feature says, I'm telling a story about Christmas and uniting in love. Then if that's what I'm going to be, then now the industry knows that. And hopefully they can kind of pivot me in a way or give opportunities that can kind of cater to that. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you stay, you know, true to your morals and true to your, your craft, I, I think you have no problem with that. Yeah. You'll be perfectly fine. So for what, what advice would you be able to give to a young filmmaker who uh, wants to, you know, is, is, is basically just trying to break into the business. Yeah, the advice I'll give to any young filmmaker or any filmmaker, period, because there's some people who are older than us that are still trying to switch careers and make it happen. So That's right. I don't think any, any advice, the advice I could say is just to really believe in what you want to do as a passion and really do it full on. You know, like I, luckily when you're younger, you're able to kind of, like I said, with me, when the economy went down in 2008, there's no, there's no plan B. I mean, you started from nothing. If I'm gonna make, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna make no money looking for a job in finance, I'm gonna make no money doing my passion, basically. So I think for that young filmmaker, that filmmaker in general who wants to kind of really see it through, just keep going, keep going, and don't say no to opportunities. You know, if you're mm-hmm. asked to direct a reading, that's not even if you're a filmmaker, it's not even it's not even something on camera, but they know you could direct. You know, mm-hmm. learn how to work with actors in a reading format. You know, if you want to yes. learn how to direct like a, a you know, have even, even, even just, you know, I just, it's just keep on just being creative and keep on reading, keep on being a part of the business in some way, because in the end, your knowledge will help you a lot. And you'll find these type of ways you can get into the business and always help other people out too, because people always remember that. Like I said, I met Nia Fairweather through a reading because we all were artists working for work, doing a reading for a theater company. And that's where I met our, my director, Gregory Mosier. And that's how got me on Broadway from a small reading, you know, mm-hmm. but with that said, it's just always keep going, never say respect yourself, but always say yes to things, but you know, just make sure that you always, and also as filmmakers, always watch films, keep on watching films, watch bad films, watch good films, just watch films, always have an opinion about what you're seeing. Absolutely. So, the LGBTQ community uh, and this movie, uh, how do you think the community is going to embrace this film and, and your perspective on it? It's, it's funny because I, because I was in Stonewall, directed by Roland Emmerich, and I played Marsha P. Johnson, you know, I had that whole quote unquote, you know, blowback because of the fact that I was a, a cisgender male who played this trans pioneer, you know, and, um, it opened my eyes a lot to the storytelling and how much you have to be respectful of the LGBTQ plus community because these stories that are being told, they don't see them often. So we, we mentioned before about a black renaissance. There was a while when there was like an LGBTQ renaissance, but yeah. it was a renaissance in the wrong way where you're having these different type of, uh, you know, white actors, I guess, playing people who were not white, but they're still getting the acclaim because they got to play these roles. Right. So I think for myself, I got to learn a lot. I got to learn a lot. I got to learn how, while getting through the shoes of Marsha P. Johnson or the heels, if you want to say, <laughs> I got to, um, I got to really respect and see the similarities in us as people and be seeing those similarities as people. I got to really understand and see how the world could be different. If the main thing that unites us, especially when it comes to 
you know, Pride Month is love. So I, I hope people, when they see the film from the community, from any, 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 other, any community, they realize that this film is mainly about love. It's not, yes, there's an LGBTQ plus type of, um, you know, type of background to it, but the main background is love. And that's what I yeah. think more than anything that stands out for all of us. And the hard thing about films about the queer experience is that they label them as queer films. So if you're if you're not a queer person, you feel like there's no reason for me to watch this film. Right. But I think with our film, queer, straight, rabbit, or even a dot on the floor, you know, you know that there's the aspect of love you can relate to. And you might be surprised, like, oh wow, I saw two people same same gender, same sex having a relationship and it normalized it. And I think that's what jitters kind of did for a lot of people, and they were surprised that if I could see two people in a room and normalize something, then if you do that in a Christmas fashion, this could be for more more than more than just one specific type of group. And I think that's what we're hoping to get. I think it's really interesting too, because like it's the same thing with black films. Yeah. Like you label it a black film, white people are like, oh, it's not for me. Yeah, 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 100%. percent I'm, I'm just not gonna watch that. Even it's like if I see it like uh when Crazy Rich Asians came out. Yep. It was a it was an Asian film, but I was like, no, I'm gonna freaking support this film. I'm gonna go see this film and check it out. And yep. I loved the fact that there was things in there I did not understand, <laughs> and I had to like look it up later. And they yep. didn't explain it. I was perfectly like I heard of mahjong, but I didn't know exactly how it was played. But yep. that final scene when they're playing mahjong, and I was like sort of correlating to the conversation they were having. I was like, man, I don't, I don't understand that. But I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, like watching, yeah. uh, you ever seen Rami? Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. I Fantastic. love Rami. Love yeah. it. I yep. May Destroy You is the same way, where there's things in there that they, they're not explaining to, but they're just living through it. And you have to just experience it. And, and, how, and, and, like, how about, yeah, and how about on the flip side, a lot of people have to deal with, have dealt with that as... Um, Black people being with white shows or anything like that, you know, we just have to, uh, we don't we don't know what it's like to live on a yacht, but I guess we have to learn through the experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just I I I, I love that, I and mean, I just love the way I love the direction that film and TV yeah. is going, especially TV. Yeah, it's going in a really uh, interesting direction where we're getting a lot of unique original stories. Yeah, and I'm glad you made this film because I feel like it's it adds to that canon and it adds to the direction that we're going. I appreciate that. Yeah. 30 years from now, okay. 30 or 40 years from now, um, Dwayne V. are old man, looking back, what would make you happiest about your career? Wow, good, great question. 30 years from now, looking back at my career, what would make me happy is that I would have projects, film, or television that honestly reflected where I was in my life with every type of project. So Jitters is one, and that was very personal to me. Christmas wedding is personal to me where I could be like, okay, I remember exactly what it, what, the, what it was like writing that, making that. People want to know what was it like at that point in my life. This is it. So I hope I'll always create, I'll always stay true to my, um, my voice as an artist. I will always tell things that are personal to me that I can reflect and look back on my life through film because film lives on forever. And I would love to live on through film. Bars. That was awesome. <laughs> Toje, appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate We're it. Looking forward to your next projects, man. Thank you, man. See you soon. Thank man. you, Toje. Hey, guys. Check out Toje's film, A New York Christmas Wedding, on Netflix now. He's also on Instagram at OhHabit. And you can find us on Instagram at Once Upon a Film Industry, where we highlight up-and-coming filmmakers. DM us to see how you can get your film showcased on our Instagram. 
holla. You heard?